With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. We've got some great video content. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Follow us on Instagram as well. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome, everybody. Episode 151 of Rams up here. We're going to take a quick look back at that Rams-Seahawks game. And then we're going to have a segment here where we check in on all the ex-Rams, how they did this past season. And we'll be previewing Wild Card Weekend plus lots of Rams news and notes. Next pod, we'll have our award show, Rams Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and so on. And speaking of awards, I'm going to sneak this in right now. Pro Football Focus announced their All-Pro team, Bobby Wagner, first team, and Jalen Ramsey, first team as a Flex D player. Wagner, a 77.9 score in all facets of the game. They call him the best linebacker in the game, and they love what Jalen did, especially in that last game of the year. And the NFL Players Association announced a players-only All-Pro team, and Aaron Donald made that team. I have a feeling if Aaron Donald took one snap the entire year, the players would vote him on that starting team. And don't forget, very soon we will be having our review of the Rams season and a look forward to what fixes are in store, free agency, draft, picks, all that good stuff with Paul Walia and Tom Kortz on board for that discussion. Last time we'll be doing this this season, Rams pro football focus grades from that game against the Seahawks, top five offensive performers, Coleman, Shelton, 73.9, Van Jefferson, Cam Akers, Tyler Higby, and Rob Havenstein all grading out well. On the defensive side, we had four guys that were over 80. Cornerback Jalen Ramsey, 86.5. He had an incredible game. And you know what? Go look at that missed field goal. If that kick had been online... Jalen Ramsey would have blocked it. So Ramsey stepped up. I think he gets fired up for those matchups with Metcalf. Those two guys are actually pretty good friends, I hear. But on the field, it's pretty intense. It's fun to watch. And safety Taylor Rapp, 
the most underappreciated Ram, perhaps 85.1. He clearly had a great game, as did safety Russ Yeast and safety Quentin Lake. The two rookie safeties both graded out well and nose tackle Marquise Copeland at 66.5. And these scores raise a question, you know, two positions of concern for me moving forward is the defensive line with Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines, both unrestricted free agents, and safety with Taylor Rapp and Nick Scott, both unrestricted free agents. But some guys have been stepping up. You know, Bobby Brown and Ernest Brown both played well, I think. Copeland and Jonah Williams. I think all of these guys showed that they can at least contribute and possibly start for the Rams next year. And safety, hey, if we came back next year with a safety group of Quinton Lake, Jordan Fuller, and Russ Yeast, it might be a little scary. It'd obviously be nice to bring Nick Scott back too, but only the reason I'm bringing this up, maybe the Rams are thinking these two positions are not positions of need, as at least as much as I have been thinking. I still think we need to replenish both spots, preferably retain Greg Gaines and Nick Scott, but I guess the bottom line is, if we can't, it won't be the end of the world with some of these young guys finally seeing the field and performing pretty well. And I also wish I knew what was going through the Rams' minds as far as Joseph Noteboom and the Lyric Jackson at that left tackle spot. That's a spot that has me concerned, but I wish I could read their mind. I wish I could give Sean McVay some truth serum and ask him, do we need a new left tackle or not? Now, the one thing we got to talk about is this Sean McVay retirement talk. You know, it's looking less and less likely that he'll return. Just trying to read the tea leaves here. The Rams have given their entire coaching staff permission to search for other jobs. Now, normally you can block lateral moves, but the Rams, in this case, are saying, hey, anybody that wants to look for a new job, you have our permission. And that's a telling sign. These guys... They don't know if Sean McVay is coming back, and they don't know if a new coach would be interested in retaining them. So we could lose some valuable staff members, whether Sean McVay comes back or not. Possible replacements, and I talked about this on a YouTube short I released on our YouTube channel the other day. Got Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I hear he is not a people person, kind of the opposite of McVay. Sean Payton is looking for a coaching job, and Jim Harbaugh might be ready for a change, the University of Michigan coach. But in the case of Payton, he's already interviewing with the Broncos. Rams may miss out on him. I think he'd be an ideal replacement for Sean McVay, actually. Now, I don't think Mike McDaniel's going to get fired, but someone suggested the Dolphins are considering that, so he would be a decent hire. And how about this? Cliff Kingsbury is out of work. Him and McVay are buddies. Why doesn't McVay stick around, hire Kingsbury as his OC, take a big load off of him? Kingsbury could even handle the play calling, and maybe that would result in a lot less stress for Sean McVay, and he could continue coaching. Raheem Morris is also a candidate, I suppose. That would keep some of those guys on defense happy, perhaps, especially Aaron Donald, who who knows, he could retire right along with McVay. Morris already has interviews lined up with the Colts and Broncos, so we may lose him regardless. But the two guys I kind of like are Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator out of Detroit, and Shane Steichen, 
the Eagles offensive coordinator. Johnson, 36 years old. He's been with the Dolphins and Lions, quarterback coach, wide receiver coach, tight end coach, and now their offensive coordinator there with the Lions. So Matthew Stafford and Johnson know each other a little bit. Very creative, extremely well-respected across the league. He would be a good young hire for the Rams. And then Steichen, 37 years old. He doesn't have quite the resume Johnson has, but still been very successful Chargers quarterback coach, and then their offensive coordinator, and now the Eagles offensive coordinator. And the Lions and Eagles are two offenses, very creative, very productive, and these are two young guys, and that would be probably the two things I'd look for in a new coach. I want an offensive-minded coach and preferably someone on the younger side. No recycled coaches, except for Sean Payton. That would probably be the exception. A Jim Harbaugh hire would not excite me. And the Rams got to get moving on this. And that's why part of me says, hey, Sean, just go ahead and retire already. If that's the way this is going to go, the sooner the better, because there are openings. The Cardinals, Texans, Panthers, and Colts all have openings along with the Broncos. I'd love for Sean to stay, but if he can't walk out of that locker room after that loss to the Seahawks and say, I'm pumped, I'm ready to go for next year, let's get it done. Let's get this train back on the track. If he can't say that right now, how good do we feel about him coming back if he's not 100% invested from the get-go? So that's what concerns me. Don't get me wrong. I'd love for him to come back, but I'm worried that he's already showed signs that he's just not emotionally attached to this task anymore doesn't have the drive, at least for the time being, to come back and lead this team back to the playoffs. And the college football championship, uh, what was the final score? Last I looked, it was like 428 to 7 or something like that. That pregame, I, I knew TCU was in trouble when I heard Nick Saban talk about his predictions for this game. And you could just tell, reading between the lines, he was basically saying, TCU has no shot at winning this game. George is going to stomp them. That's how I read what he had to say. And that counts a lot more than what Pat McAfee and some of these other guys were saying. Nick Saban, he, he had it nailed. And some of those guys were actually picking TCU. That probably is worthy of one of those ESPNs. Come on, man. You picked a team that went on to lose by 58 points. Not a good look if you're a so-called expert. Almost as bad as Terry Bradshaw saying it's going to take a miracle for the Rams to beat the Seahawks in that playoff game a couple of years ago. Now, if you're not following our YouTube channel, you've probably missed some of the shorts I've done. One of them was addressing Mike Florio's contention that Sean McVay wants out because he doesn't want to deal with a multi-year rebuild. And I took issue with that, a team with Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Bobby Wagner is in need of a rebuild. Makes no sense to me. Also stumbled upon an article on Yahoo highlighting the weather issues they had at SoFi during that championship game. Rain coming through the sides, slippery cement and such. Gave the stadium an F. Who was the author? You got it. Mike Florio. Yeah, I don't know what it is with this guy. He has it in for Cronky slash Sneed slash McVeigh slash the Rams. 
I have never seen him write a positive article about the Rams. So Mike gave SoFi an F. I'm giving Mike Florio an F. A journalist with an agenda is a very bad thing. Another short I had talked about the lazy narrative that the Rams have no draft picks. They've had 53 over the last six years, averaging almost nine picks a year, well over the league average, which is closer to eight, and they will likely have 10 more this year. Also been posting my three-round mock drafts from the Rams' perspective, doing those about once a week, so check that out. I'll have another one here sometime Thursday or Friday. We'll be back in a second with our wildcard weekend preview and then a look at how all the ex-Rams did this past season. And our next podcast, look for our awards ceremony, handing out awards to deserving Ram players. Well, the NFL playoff picture is finally locked in and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action is so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Wildcard weekend is here, and we have no Ram game to stress over. What's my take on these games? Six games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday night. It starts on Saturday at 1.30, the Seahawks plus 10 at the 49ers. Since losing to the Chiefs on October 3rd, the Niners have won 10 straight. They beat the Seahawks twice this year, 27-7 at home and 21-13 in Seattle, The 49ers, however, have played the weakest schedule in the NFL this year based on opponents' winning percentages. Good chance of rain, which will be to the Seahawks' benefit, I think. This game could be a little closer than you think, especially if it's raining. Pete Carroll's going to have his team ready to play. Not sure if there's going to be enough magic for the Seahawks to pull this one out, though. I'll take the 49ers to win 27-19. Take the Seahawks in the points, though. Saturday night, the Chargers at the Jags, plus one. The Chargers have won four of their last five in Jacksonville. They have a 9-4 record overall against the Jags. The Jags beat them just this past September, though, at SoFi, 38-10. It was 16-10 early in the second half, and then the Jags rattled off three straight unanswered TDs. That was the game Justin Herbert tried to play after that rib injury he suffered the previous week. Keenan Allen was out as well. Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa both left that game with injuries. Sony Michelle was the leading Charger rusher in that game ahead of Austin Eckler. Both these teams are playing at a high level. Weather will not be an issue dry and in the 50s. Again, both these teams playing very well right now. 
but I'll take the Chargers to cover 31 to 24 over the Jags. Sunday, 10 a.m., the Dolphins plus 13 at the Bills. This was originally a nine and a half point spread, and then Tua was ruled out. Skylar Thompson gets the nod in his place. Cloudy and in the 30s. Longtime rivals, Dolphins lead the series 62 to 55 with two ties. In September, Miami won 21 to 19. In December, it was the Bills 32 to 29. Bills have scored 30 points in their last three uncanceled games. Remember, they had the no contest in Cincinnati. The Bills are going to roll over the Dolphins. Dolphins have no chance without Tua. Bills 33, Dolphins 16. Sunday at 1.30, Giants plus three at the Vikings. This is the most unpredictable game of the bunch. Vikings lead the series 18 to 12. These two teams played on Christmas Eve in Minnesota, 27 to 24 Vikings. This is one of those heart-arresting wins the Vikings had this year. Late field goal for the win. Let's just go with the same score, shall we? I wouldn't touch this game. Betting-wise, Vikings 27, Giants 24. Sunday night, 5.15 p.m., the Ravens plus 6.5 at the Bengals. This is the easiest game to pick, in my opinion. I got the Bengals getting back to the Super Bowl, so I think they're going to win this game. Ravens lead the series 28-26. to This only goes back to when they were called the Ravens. Remember, this was essentially the Browns franchise. Another game where divisional rivals are facing off. The Ravens won 19-17 in October. Remember, Bengals got off to a pretty slow start. But the Bengals won just last week, 27-16. So the home team wins both. There's a chance Lamar Jackson could return for this game. But Bengals, they've won eight straight. With the uncertainty at quarterback, I'm not betting on the outcome here. But I still like the Bengals to win handily, 31-17. And Monday night, the Cowboys at the Bucks plus three. Cowboys hold a solid 15-6 edge all-time versus the Bucks. Not the marquee game a lot of people think it's going to be. Both these teams are flawed, especially the Bucks. If the Cowboys let the Bucks stick around, they could be in trouble. Bucks won on opening day, remember, 19-3. But the Cowboys will give Tom all kinds of trouble. Their defense is the real deal. Cowboys win 23-13. By the way, my picks on the year, I ended up at 60.5% correct on the season straight up. It's 164 correct, 107 wrong. If you take the Ram games out of the equation, which I'm going to do next year, my percentage improves to 62.6. That's right, I picked the Rams 17 times. So that is my take on wildcard weekend. And if you look at these games, I think there's really only one that you're going to get split opinions on. Everybody's going to be picking the Niners and the Bills. I think most people will be picking the Vikings at home over the Giants and the Bengals and the Cowboys. That Charger-Jags game, going to be a lot of people picking the Jags. I'm sticking with the Chargers, though. We'll see how it goes next week. Could be some really interesting matchups heading into the divisional round. Since Sean McVay has arrived, the Rams have done a pretty good job 
figuring out which free agents to keep, which ones to let walk. And they've also made some sensible trades, in my opinion. This year, they're going to have more decisions to make than ever before, I think. Lots of unrestricted free agents. Nick Scott, Taylor Rapp, Greg Gaines, Sean Robinson, Troy Hill, Matt Gay, a bunch of guys they got to make decisions on. So it makes sense to use this episode with the season behind us to take a quick look back and see how the Rams have did recently as far as this decision-making process. And I've broken them into four groups, the ones that it's too early to tell, the ones I think the Rams made the right call on, the guys I wouldn't mind having back at this point, and then a small group that I'm a little bit on the fence with. Who's in that too early to tell category? Well, one would be Daryl Henderson. I'm not too worried about how this is going to turn out from the Rams' perspective. The Jags signed him and already released him. He will likely catch on with someone, but I'm sure we'll end up telling ourselves the Rams made the right call on this, but it really is too early to tell. And the same with Terrell Lewis, Bobby Evans, Justin Hollins, and Terrell Burgess. Lewis with the Bears, Evans with the Vikings, Hollins with the Packers, and Burgess with the Giants. Not too worried about any of these guys having a terrific career moving forward, but let's be honest, it really is too early to tell. And who have the Rams made the right call on? Well, I think they made the right call on OBJ. It would have been silly to re-sign him. He still hasn't hit the field. And I think they made the right call on Von Miller, the money he was asking for. Now, he ended up getting hurt, so maybe it's not a fair assessment. But what we know about Von Miller right now, the Rams made the right call, letting him go. Troy Reader, he's basically a special teams player with the Chargers. Could we have retained him pretty cheaply? I suppose, but... We just had bigger fish to fry, so Troy Reader, that made sense. The Kenny Young trade makes sense now. He's a free agent. Jake Funk letting him go. He's on the Colts practice squad. A low-risk move there letting him go. Chris Garrett was with the Vikings briefly. He's a free agent, so obviously made the right call there. Sony Michelle, free agent. He had a few productive moments with the Chargers, but... Would we want him back at this point? I don't think so. Darius Williams with the Jags. He's our starting corner, but it hasn't been a great season for him. A 58.3 pro football focus grade. He's allowed 41 receptions on 77 targets. Tied for 78th best in the league score-wise. And he signed a three-year $30 million contract there. Could we have used him? Yeah, but at that price, no. Juju Hughes, we let him go a while back. He's on the Cardinals practice squad. Johnny Hecker, he's an interesting one. He's had a bounce back year, but he's getting $7.6 million over three years. And given the way the Rams' season has gone, I think the Rams made the right call there. Riley Dixon, a lot of people comparing his fairly average season to what Johnny Hecker has done this year. I still wouldn't want Johnny back at that price. That's how I feel about that. And Sebastian Joseph Day, he's a starting right defensive end for the Chargers. 27 tackles, two sacks, pretty low pro football focus grade, 51.3. And the Chargers are still getting chewed up by the running game. I don't think Sebastian Joseph Day would be starting for the Rams. And he's a cap hit for the Chargers. 
of $5 million this year, $9 million next year. So I say no thank you to Sebastian Joseph Day. Who are the guys I wouldn't mind having back from last year? Well, one would be Robert Woods with the Titans now, 49 catches, 487 yards, and two TDs. Now, this is before their Week 18 game. He had a few catches in that finale against the Jags. He's the Titans' leading receiver ahead of their rookie, Traylon Burks. And remember, they brought him on when they still had A.J. Brown. I thought Woods was going to be A.J. Brown's wingman, and I think the plan was Robert Woods to take a leading role there, and he has. And I think he would have been a good guy to have around, especially after Cooper Cup went down. Austin Corbett of the Panthers, a solid starting guard. He just got hurt in the last game of the season, unfortunately, tore his ACL. He had a solid 70.2 pro football focus grade. All the injuries on that offensive line, who saw that coming? But hindsight's 2020 would have been great to have Austin Corbett back this year. And the one guy that has really shined after leaving the Rams is Obko Aranko of the Texans. He's their starting left at defensive end in their 4-3, 31 tackles, 5 sacks, an overall grade of 81. He signed a one-year $3.2 million contract, meaning he's an unrestricted free agent again. I think the Texans got good value, and hey, you know what? I would mind if the Rams made a run at him and brought him back. Two guys I'm on the fence about, Johnny Munt. Uh, again, going into Week 18, he had 19 catches for 140 yards and a TD. That's more than he had in four years with the Rams, 10 catches, 93 yards. More evidence that the Rams really don't do a good job of getting second-level backups involved and give them opportunities to contribute. Johnny Munn, a very good blocking tight end. The Rams never got him involved in the passing game. And given how it's gone with some of our backups, it would have been nice to have him around. But then again, the Rams still weren't going to be throwing him the ball. I mean, how many times has Bryson Hopkins been targeted? So kind of on the fence. I like Johnny Munt, whatever. And another guy I'm a little bit on the fence with is Cameron Dicker. And the reason is the Rams could have retained him and brought him back as an exclusive rights free agent. Matt Gay is a better kicker, perhaps, but now he's a free agent. It's a hindsight is 2020 thing. If we had known Dicker was going to play this well for the Chargers, he has a bunch of game winners. Might have been better to keep Dicker and move on from Gay, especially considering how this season went, since he's going to be a free agent anyways. And don't get me wrong, I love Matt Gay, but... Where does that leave us next year looking for a kicker again? And I'm going to look a little further back at some guys that moved on a couple years ago. One is Gerald Everett. He moved on to the Seahawks and then the Chargers. 82 catches for 547 yards and three TDs. I always liked Gerald Everett. It would have been great to keep him, but you can't really pay two tight ends in this offense. So Gerald Everett moved on. Samson Ebukan. Four and a half sacks for the 49ers this year, 70.3 rating. We could have used him this year, to be honest. I think he would have performed better than Terrell Lewis or Justin Hollins, that's for sure. But you know who would have been even better? Morgan Fox, the starting left defensive end for the Chargers. Remember, he left for the Panthers 
and then he moved on to the Chargers. 24 tackles, six and a half sacks, a pro football focus grade of 60.8, which is fairly mediocre, but he was only paid $1 million this year, and he, much like Okoronko, will be a free agent in 2023. So depending on what holes the Rams want to fill in free agency and what holes they want to fill in the draft, Fox and Okoronko are two guys the Rams could look at bringing back to improve that pass rush. And the fourth guy, looking back a little further, Austin Blythe, the center for the Seahawks. He's actually been fairly average, a little worse than average, so I don't think moving on from him was necessarily a mistake. And I'll mention one more guy, a guy I love to bring up, Jared Goff. Was it a mistake? Was that trade a mistake? Absolutely not. It worked out great for both teams. The Rams got their Super Bowl, and they still have their franchise quarterback. Worked out great for the Lions. Jared Goff has played very well. Unfortunately, they missed the playoffs by no fault of Jared Goff. So I'm not on the fence on that one. It was a good trade for the Rams, but nice to see Jared Goff thriving in Detroit at the same time. So this is just to put the Rams' decision-making process in perspective moving forward. And we're going to have a whole episode on that coming up. All these Rams free agents. Who do we try to keep? Who can we possibly keep? How do the Rams approach this with their salary cap challenges? Lots of decisions to be made. And again, we'll get back to that on another episode. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamahama. Hama.